welcome to another episode of Daily Feasting on the Words of Christ. Good morning. How are you? I hope you're doing well. Things are awesome here. It is the weekend. It is a Saturday. And it is going to be a great day. And today I'm super excited because I get to clean my room. I am so excited. <laughs> it's really messy right now. So, anyway, ugh, just kind of waking up. I still woke up around 5.30 this morning because there was a lot I wanted to get done today. Um, and it just feels good to wake up in the morning and do prayer and scripture study early in the day before things get going crazy, you know, when the world is still like asleep. I really like that time for like scripture study and pondering and talking to Heavenly Father because it's just everything's so quiet and everything is just so still and I love it. You know, I absolutely love it. I'm definitely more of a morning morning person than I am a night person. <laughs> but today, uh read a couple more pages of Jacob chapter 5. And Jacob chapter 5, and also the Bible chapter that I was in today. I really want to get to the Bible chapter today. So I am going to pay attention to the clock so that I can get that in. <laughs> but, um... I think it was Matthew chapter 25. Yeah. So Jacob 5, Matthew 25. Some good scriptures to feast on. Good scriptures. Oh my goodness. There is there is a lot in these two chapters. I mean, there's a lot in Jacob 5 because it's really long. But, you know, whatever. But yeah, there's... There's a lot of good stuff in these chapters. And so, in Jacob chapter 5, the scenario that's going on is we have um, another visit to the vineyard. You know? So, the Lord spares the tree that's half good, half bad. And when he comes to visit his vineyard the second go-round... Or maybe this is the third go-around, I guess. He notices that the main tree, there's a ton of different kinds of fruit on it, and none of it is tasty. All of it is bad. They all produce really bad fruit. And then he goes and visits the other trees, and same things have happened. They've all produced really bad fruit. And the one that was half good, half bad, the good portion withered away and died. And the bad portion was still bad. And so the whole vineyard has become corrupted. All of it. The whole of it. And it makes the Lord of the vineyard very, very sad. Because now he's like, what do I do? I have done everything. Right? I mean, we were talking yesterday about how Sometimes our circumstances are a good reminder to rely on God more. But you know, we still have agency, right? We can still make choices. Even if we're in a poor spot of ground, even if we're in poor circumstances, it can 
we can make the choice to turn away from God just as easy as we can make the choice to turn to God, right? Because I've met people who feel like the Lord has blessed them for so long and then a trial comes along and they get angry at him and they think that what they're going through is unfair and unbearable and it's, you know, it's, they just don't want him in their life anymore because to them they think he's the bad guy. They think that he should fix things. God's job is not to fix things. Right? God is a teacher. Yes, he takes care of us. And yes, he tries to give us the best. And I think I've heard it said that sometimes our trials are the best answers. Because otherwise it would be robbing us of important lessons that we would need in order to be with him to get, you know? In order to live with him. There's certain things that I guess we need to understand. Certain, like, they help us to become the kind of people that he needs us to be. You know, or at least as far as I can tell, I'm still building my relationship with God to understand everything that he does. Um... But, you know, reading that, it's like, wow. You know, it doesn't matter your spot of ground, I guess. It can be just as easy to turn to him as it is to turn away from him, no matter what your situation is. And, you know, one of the verses, the servant was saying, don't you think it's the loftiness of the branches that they've overcome the root? And I thought that was interesting to think that, you know, that it was pride that corrupted them. You know, that they thought they were better than someone else or better than, like, I don't exactly understand what the root part is. Maybe they have it in the Come Follow Me manual. I haven't looked at that yet. Um, but you know, maybe it's, maybe it's like the scriptures or something like that. Cause like when roots, when I think of roots, I honestly think of like family tree, (laughs) you know? Um, and so... I just wonder if it's like they thought they were better than, you know, the people that came before them. They didn't need the scriptures. They didn't need the gospel because, you know, they had new knowledge and they were much better and all that jazz. But I'm not entirely sure... Because, yeah, I don't know. I haven't done 
too much study into this, I guess. But, um, I don't know, maybe this come follow me thing will be helpful. Not seeing them talking about the roots. Nope, I don't see him talking about the roots. So I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> oh well. But like, it was pride. Pride of something that caused them to become corrupted. It was their downfall. You know? And I've heard that pride can go two ways. That it can go everyone else or I'm so much better than everyone else. And I can also go, everyone else is so much better than me. Which I think is interesting, that idea of pride. Like, I've heard someone say that that is pride as well. And I don't know that I quite understand it. But, like, at the same time, it kind of makes sense. Because pride is all about comparison. Pride is all about um, comparing yourself to everybody else to figure out, you know, who's better. You know, where do you lack? Where do you gain? And it, it all comes from this scarcity mentality. Pride is, pride thinks that there's a limited amount of goodness and that not everyone can have all the good things. And if you have the good things, it must mean that you're better. Because, you know, only good and awesome people get the good things. And awful people get the bad things. Right? That's pride. Pride is all about comparison. And if you are also saying to yourself, well, everyone's so much better than me, that's also pride. Right? In the sense of you're still comparing. You're still looking at someone else and seeing a lack instead of saying to yourself there's an abundance. Can't I be a good person and they be a good person? You know, can't we be okay with the fact that I'm different, you're different, but we're still good? You know, this idea of comparison, this idea of like lack... You know, it is really prevalent, especially in, like, in everything, honestly. But when I think about, like, for example, the beauty industry, makeup and hairstyles and clothing, they're all trying to make themselves look like a specific type of person, right? And so it's all about comparison. You have to compare your yourself to what the perfect model would be which in reality never exists the perfect model the normal doesn't exist those are made up like those are figments of our imagination there is no such thing as perfect there is no such thing as normal because everyone is so vastly different that there can't really be 
a normal. So, and yet we chase after these ideals all the time. We chase after the idea that we have to make ourselves look like a perfect model in order to be attractive or look nice. You know, that we have to wear certain colors because of this, this, and that. And that we have to have our hair this certain way because of this, this, and that. And we have to wear this certain kind of makeup and, you know, do it this way and that way. And, you know, we got to have these certain kinds of things to be considered uh, affluent people and we got to have a certain amount of money and we got to have a certain amount of friends. We got to be involved in the community at a certain amount. And it's like, really? There isn't a certain amount that we need of anything. That was all made up by this idea of normal or, you know, good people or whatever, whatever like imaginary goal of a person that you're trying to to chase where you're like oh my goodness I don't have enough of this I have to get more of this in order to be like this person phooey hogwash like that's not going to help you right comparison and trying to be exactly like other people is not going to help you. Now you can learn from other people, or you can learn from their mistakes, and you can learn from their successes. And that I totally am all about. I'm all about learning from other people's choices. You know, because that's a principle. I'm all about learning principles. But like, oh my goodness, I have to wear these certain kinds of things because my favorite celebrity does this like no I'm not into that I don't buy that and but it's so easy like I still fall into a scarcity mentality sometimes it's really easy for me to do that with money because in a numerical sense of way you can see what you lack right it's money doesn't lie it's right there, plain as day. Telling you every single day what you have and what you don't have. And so it's really hard for me to have an abundance mentality when it comes to money. Because I just hear it telling me everything I lack. You know? I look at my bank account and it has less in it. And I'm like, Ugh. Right, I keep it money be I keep seeing money being taken out and not money being put in. And it's just <sighs> Yeah, it's it's hard. <laughs> you know? And in the scarcity mentalities, that's when it's easy to forget that we need to rely on God, right? That's when it's easy to forget that we need him, that we need to go to him, 
that we don't need to worry that he's got this covered, everything's going to get work out, worked out, that there's no need to stress. Right? It's like everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. And it's easy to forget when we're in a scarcity mentality. But when we switch our mentality to thinking, you know what? There is enough for everyone. There's more than enough. There's an abundance. Right? And to not look at the numbers in the bank account and be like, oh my goodness, there's not enough. But to look at the numbers and be like, I am so grateful that I have this much. That God has given this much to me. Right? To have gratitude, I think, is awesome. Because I think that's the switch from scarcity to mentality is gratitude. That's what I personally think. And so when I notice that I'm slipping into scarcity, I like to write out prayers of gratitude and be like, you know what, Heavenly Father? I have so much money. You know, I I have an abundance of money for what I need right now. And I'm so grateful for this abundance. Thank you. Thank you for this beautiful home and this beautiful family I live with and this beautiful earth I live in and for this wonderful job and friends and like I start listing things other than money that I have an abundance of and it helps me remember life is not about how much I have in my bank account wealth is not about how much I have in my bank account though it's a part of it right it's not the whole picture wealth is all about how are my you know relationships too How am I doing at my goals? You know? I don't need to have the latest and greatest to live a happy life. I don't need to have a model perfect room in order for me to be happy with my room and to live in a good room and have a beautiful room. You know? I don't need to have the gourmet food every single day. You know, I don't need to have a personal chef. You know, I... You know, what I need right now, God will give me. And what God is giving me is more than enough for what I need. You know, and when I switch myself into that mentality, it helps me to be calm and it helps me to be happy. And that's the kind of life I want to live. Which, the trees of the vineyard were not living that kind of life because they were corrupted and they were prideful. And there's just, my opinion is, is there was a huge scarcity mentality. And so the Lord of the Vineyard was going to burn the whole thing to the ground. Because he's like, I don't know what to do. What more can I do? And the servant says, spare it a little longer. So he does. He does spare it a little longer. And that's where I'll end in my Book of Mormon chapter today. You know, with the idea of if you think you're in a scarcity mentality and that you haven't been relying on God, you're like, oh no. What have I been doing? I need to change right now. There's not enough time. Like, that's again, scarcity mentality. Look. Right now, you've got time. Right? If you realize right now that you need to change, 
God will give you the time that you need to change, right? He'll spare it a little longer. It's okay. Right? Just do what you can to change and come to God now. Um, I say that, and then now I'm thinking about my Bible chapter, and it actually talks about the ten versions, which, I mean, we're continuing to talk about the second coming, so, like, I was talking to my aunt about this last night as well, she was talking about how, you know, she's been listening to the prophet's talks, and she's thinking that You know, our time to prepare is growing shorter. And so, even though I just said that there is enough time, I think also we can't procrastinate. Right? We cannot procrastinate repentance. We cannot procrastinate change. We cannot procrastinate coming to God. He will spare you a little longer. You do still have some time, but do it now. Like we cannot procrastinate because the bridegroom will come. And when he comes, there will be no more time. You know, you got to have your oil ready. And like both the virgins had oil. But five of them brought extra Right? So, you know, you may think that you have, you know, a testimony that you're pretty good and you're like, you don't worry much about things. Get some extra oil. Right? Dive a little deeper. Get a stronger testimony, stronger conversion. You know, listen to the prophets. Maybe it's food storage, extra food, extra water extra hygiene stuff, toiletries, you know, um, maybe it's a physical sort of thing too. Maybe it's a spiritual thing. Get more experiences with the spirit. Like, don't be casual in your conversion. Get more intentional and try to develop as close a relationship with God as you possibly can. You know, get that extra oil in. Because, you know, he's... We don't know when he's going to come. Right? And so we can't be lax. And you know, maybe that's what it is. Is that those five foolish versions, they got lax in their conversion. Because, you know, they prepared once... And then did not keep preparing. They did not keep the commandments or keep their covenants or whatnot or continue to do the little things. And so their testimony ran down. They ran out of oil because they were not continuing to grow their testimony. So, and that's the thing about testimonies and conversion. You've got to be growing it every day. It's like a plant. You got to be nourishing it every single day because if you don't, it will die. You know, you do have some time before it dies and withers away. But not much. You gotta be constantly vigilant on a daily basis. With plants. 
always checking in, always being like, okay, how's it doing? What do you need? More sunshine, less water, more fertilizer. Like, what is it? Right? And so that's with our testimonies, with our conversion. That's what we got to be doing. We got to be constantly monitoring, monitoring, monitoring. There we go. I think that's the word. We can't become lax in our conversion or in our gospel attendance. You know, we got to wake up. We got to serve. We got to go out and do things. And that's that's actually one of the things in this chapter is he talks about how at the last day he's going to separate people to the right and to the left. And it's actually based on service, according to the scriptures, you know. It's based on, did you feed the hungry, give water to the thirsty, clothe the naked, visit the sick, visit those in prison? Like, did you serve people? Did you love people? Did you help people? If so, you're on the right hand of God. If not, then you're on the left hand of God. Right? And so, that's part of conversion. That's part of the oil is service you know how much are we going out and serving others he also talks about the parable of the talents you know he gives his servants talents and some of them go out and produce more and one doesn't do anything with it you know and so i think this whole chapter is about you need to do something with what you're given you know, you can't sit back and be lax and wait for God to do everything. You know, now is the time to get deep into the gospel and strengthen our spiritual foundations like never before. If you want to know how to do that, read President Nelson's talk from this just last uh, October conference about, you know, temple foundations and our spiritual foundation. Wonderful talk. Beautiful. Fabulous. I love, love, love President Nelson's talks. They are amazing. And, you know, strengthen your spiritual foundations. Serve others. Go out and give and share your talents to, like, develop yourself and help others. Because you got to prepare yourself for what's coming next. We don't know when it's coming. We don't know exactly what's going to come either, but we have an idea and it's going to get rough, right? The things that are happening right now, I think, are the beginning. And I think it's going to get a whole lot worse before we can expect it to get any better. You know? You know, people are... My aunt was saying last night that while she was listening to the prophets talk, she was like, well, everyone's saying, oh, Jesus is going to come. But she's like, I don't think President Nelson is preparing us for when Christ comes. I think he's preparing us for when we no longer have time to prepare ourselves for what's going to go down. Right? I think... She sees it more of a warning of things are going to get a lot worse. Things are going to get a whole lot worse. You need to be prepared for that because your time to pick your side 
is getting close to the wire. Right? And so we got to pick our sides now and be doing everything we can now to be on God's side so that when the world blows up into flames because of chaos, we won't be shaken. That's what it's going to take. That's what it is going to take. And you know, it's it's urgent. I can hear it in the in the voice of the prophet, you know, I, I hear his urgency. Like there is not much time left, folks. Maybe that means a couple years. But we all know a couple years goes by fast. You know? And so we need to follow the prophet and do what he asks because that is how we're going to survive spiritually not making any promises physically because the scriptures say that during the second coming we're going to be persecuted and killed for Christ's sake so I'm like can't guarantee your physical safety but if you can guarantee your spiritual safety Like, if you continue working to build your relationship with Heavenly Father, you'll be fine. You know, even if you die, you you know where you're going. You'll be fine. Right? And remember, God is all-powerful, all-knowing, super dependable. And He cares about His children. Okay? He's not just going to leave them to fend for themselves on their own without any help whatsoever. He knows what's going to happen. He knows what's going to go down. I think he's going to be right there with his saints. Right? It says in Nephi, 1st Nephi chapter 14 verse 14 that we're going to be given power. You know, the whole world is going to come against us, but we're going to be given power from God. He's not going to abandon us when the battle gets heated. You know, when things get tough, he's not going to step out and be like, peace, y'all. Now you get to do it on your own. I've helped you enough. No, he's like, all right, things are getting tough. If you follow me, let's go. Let's go into it. And he goes right into the middle of the battle. And those that follow him, you know, maybe they die in the battle. But they followed God. And so... God will have mercy on them. And, you know, when my aunt was saying that, you know, now is the time to prepare for when things get worse, that makes a lot of sense to me. That makes a lot more sense than, because, like, I, I, I don't think this is bad enough to call down Jesus right now. Like, really, this is more of just annoying and you know, slightly concerning the other things I've been hearing, you know. 
annoying and concerning. But it hasn't gotten too terrifying yet. You know, it hasn't gotten bad. And that's probably where it's going to have to go before Christ shows up. You know? And maybe this is not what you were wanting to hear on a Saturday. You know, it's it's the weekend. <laughs> and you're like, I just finished a long work week. All I wanted to do was enjoy the scriptures. And you're like, where's the comfort ones, Alma? You know, where, where are the ones that make us feel good? Why did you have to bring this one on a Saturday? When I didn't want to think about hard things. I just wanted to relax, sit back after a hard work week. You know? Well, guess what? I don't think that's... like. Yes, you can choose to sit back and relax. But I don't know that that's going to be an option for very much longer. I don't know that I would keep choosing that if I were you. You know, there's, and you know, if you have a busy, busy work week where you feel like you don't get anything else done during the week, then these weekends are a great time to prepare, especially since, you know, tomorrow on the Sabbath, you have the opportunity to partake of the sacred ordinance of the sacrament. And renew your covenants and think about, okay, how can I do better this next week? You know, you can use Saturdays to prepare yourself for that. Prepare yourself for the upcoming week. Right? Weekends, for me at least, are looking more of like the time to prepare. To use Saturday and Sunday to prepare for what's coming up this next week. Those next five work days. And then every Saturday, Sunday, prepare for the next five days. You know, get myself ready and in that space where I can go. Just go for it. You know, and so I realize that may have not been a very, you know, maybe this was a tough episode for you to listen to because you're like, I did not need this on a Saturday when all I wanted to do was relax. And you know what? I I think this was good for me to know. Good for me to remember. The time for relaxing is over. It's time to get to work. It's time to do the things that are most important. You know, where is my focus? And to use this weekend time to refocus and to realize, wow, I've been worrying about things that maybe don't matter so much right now. And that I need to refocus on the gospel and on attending the temple more. And, you know, doing those sorts of things that will have eternal significance. So this at least was a great reminder for me. And... I think it's a great reminder for you as well, even if it's tough to hear on a Saturday. 
And, you know, I hope, you know, and if this is kind of tough for you here, take this opportunity to kind of reevaluate what your plans were for today and think about, okay, are these plans that I have helping me to prepare for the next upcoming five days? Am I doing what I need to to prepare? And if the answer is no, take this time to readjust your plans, to readjust your goals, and to get, like, zoned into the things that matter most. Because there is no time for anything else. Focus on the things that matter most, and everything else will be taken care of, right? God is all-powerful, all-knowing, super-dependable. If you're worried that if you focus on the most important things, all these other things that are like semi-important are going to like fall away or get lost, some of them might. And that's okay because you really didn't need those. Some of them God will take care of for you. You know, it's going to be okay. Knowing that God will take care of us with the things that we need, we can use that time to focus on the things that matter most. And trust that everything else is going to work out, you know? I think it's an Ezra Taft Benson quote. I remember it used to be on the wall of my institute classroom. And I and I love Ezra Taft, Taft Benson talks. They're so good. And I think the quote is, When we put God first in our lives, everything will fall into place or fall out of... When we put God first, everything will either fall into place or out of our lives. Right, and so, and that's a good thing. It is good that some things will fall away. Because you really didn't need it. You think you need it. Trust me, I, I, I know. You think you need those things. Because you're like, I've survived with these so far. Like, this is how I've lived my life so far. I must have these in order to survive because I cannot manage without them. It's okay. Rely on God, let them fall away, and realize that you've grown. You no longer need it. And other things will just fall into the proper places where they need to be. And things are going to be okay. So I'm going to end it there. I want to say thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening and tuning into this podcast episode today. I'm realizing I really needed this. Because then this will give me a chance to refocus my plans, my goals, and to see where I am at. You know? And... I hope, you know, that God loves you. You know, yes, these times are hard. And it's hard to think that there could be a loving God when there's so much evil. But study the scriptures. Really look for it. Okay, if that's the kind of question you have, pray to God about that question and then study the scriptures and look for the answers because they're there. I totally believe that they're there and that you'll find them. God loves you, that you're amazing. As long as you keep trying and you turn to Christ, you repent and you rely on his power, his mercy, his grace, his his atoning sacrifice, that you're going to make it, right? 
if you are trying your best to go to God, God will come to you. And you are going to make it. I hope you know that. And I hope you have a fantastic day.